welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host, and I want to just welcome you to this community. And if you're new here, we kind of rotate between five different topics, faith, finances, marriage, mindset, and health. And right now, we are in faith week, okay? So today, we're going to be talking about the importance of just letting our children carry their own cross and what that looks like. And this is something that I've been super passionate about in my own parenting. And if you know me in real life, you know that I am not a helicopter parent. Like I am not under the illusion that I can shield my children from this world, nor do I put that pressure on myself as a mother. And do I value keeping my children safe and, you know, work to make sure they're not in real danger? Of course. But like there is a difference in... I don't know, fighting off a bear (laughs) that is charging at my child and fighting off like a bumblebee that flies next to them because God forbid they ever experience or fathom the pain of a bee sting. You know what I mean? Like if there is real life-threatening danger to our babies, y'all, like then fine, you know, mama bear up. Let's go. (laughs) Like I will protect my baby so fiercely from grave danger. But y'all, when we come in with that kind of mama bear protectant nature for an unkind word that our kid received from like another kid, or, you know, when they want to hop from one rock to another in some creek bed, or if they want to jump with their skateboard for the first time, or, you know, hang upside down on a tree branch, like for us to come charging in with this protectant nature for that type of stuff, I personally feel like it's kind of uncalled for. Um, And frankly, I feel like it's unhelpful. Stephen Furtick wrote Sun Stand Still, and in his book, he says this, Audacity plays to win. I don't want to raise good boys. I want to raise great men that will do great things for a great God. I once heard a preacher say in a sermon, I'm not raising my kids to survive the world. I'm raising my kids to change it. And you guys, when we yell, careful, (laughs) Every daggone time they do something that's risky or find themselves in a situation where they really need to like think to be able to get out of it safely. Like for instance, my seven-year-old right now, who's almost eight, loves to climb trees. And oh my gosh, like it's making my heart drop sometimes. You know when you just look up and all of a sudden they're like too high for your comfort zone. (laughs) as a mom. And to you, like, they're still your baby. And so, I mean, he's almost eight years old. He's super, you know, athletic. He's smart, whatever. But, you know, like you look up and it's just, he's a little too high for you to be comfortable with. And when I see this, my initial response is to want to like freak out and be like, oh my gosh, you need to get down (laughs) right now. But what I've begun to train myself to do is the opposite of that. When I see him high in the tree and think of all the awful things that would happen if he fell, like I have to bring myself back to reality that my kid is capable. He's confident sitting up there right now. You know, he's enjoying the view of a treetop and he's almost eight. Like he also understands he's a human. Like he also understands it would not be good for him if he fell. And he may not realize that at the same level that I realize it, but he's not dumb. So instead of yelling at him and freaking out about how dangerous it is, I'll just say, hey, buddy, (laughs) great job climbing, but that's pretty high. Can you start to, you know, make a plan to come down safely? 
And I just remind him, like, make sure you test out the branches before you put your full weight on it, you know, and he will slowly start to make his way back down. And I'll finally be able to breathe (laughs) once my baby is down and safe. But as far as he knows, like, I'm proud of him and I am projecting the fact that I'm confident that he can make choices to get down safely. So in his mind right? He's just problem solving the entire way down. And if he truly gets stuck, you know, I might prompt some questions like, okay, great job. Like you need to find a strong branch for your right foot to be on or, you know, whatever. And then I'll step back and I'll watch him and let him figure it out. And listen, it's important to know, like my heart is still racing here. Like I'm still uncomfortable with the situation he put himself in. As confident as he may be, I'm not feeling the same. You know, I'm thinking about the dead branches that he doesn't totally grasp won't hold him if he accidentally puts all of his weight on one, right? I'm scared that one misgrab of a branch and he could fall. I'm scared of, you know, him getting, I don't know, breaking a bone or worse, right? But those are all like worst case scenarios. And I refuse, absolutely refuse to live my motherhood in that space. So instead of just freaking out and like going to, oh my gosh, he's going to break his neck and be paralyzed, you know, for the rest of his life, like instead of going there, I just refocus back on him and I just coach him through it. And if he slips a little bit and like feels that stomach dropping feeling that freaks him out, you know, and he gets a little scratch on his shin or his arm, like that's okay with me because nine times out of 10, he can make it down out of that tree. And when his feet hit the grass, I'm going to act like I was as confident as can be in him. Because the last thing he needs when he's 15, 20 feet in the air is a lack of confidence in himself or his decisions, his own decisions that he has to make, right? And he does not need a lack of confidence coming from his mom. And you guys, there's going to be times like where he's gotten himself completely stuck because his foot gets wedged weird in between branches and he is legitimately stuck. So I'll climb up and I'll help him out of that situation, but then expect him to figure out like the rest of the way down. And I use this tree example because I think it's easy for everyone to just relate to. Like we can all recognize that feeling of fear for our children over just about everything. But it's your responsibility as their mother to not transfer that fear onto them. Like we want to raise kids who have courage, who step into the unknown, into the scary, into the hard, and be confident in their own skills, if nothing else. At least that's what we say, right? I don't think any of us want to raise children who are too afraid to leave the house or too afraid to live because they can only imagine the danger of something or the worst case scenario of every single thing in life right? Like, and if you are new here, just a disclaimer, like I'm always talking outside the realm of diagnosed anxiety or depression or some kind of medical diagnosis. I'm talking to moms that are not dealing with a medical condition, but are just projecting their fear of life onto their children. Gosh, you guys, we love our kids. You know, like we can't imagine a worse pain that our, than our kids being hurt be it, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, you name it. Like it's excruciating to even go there. We want to shelter our kids from pain and from the darkness the world can just hold. 
But the problem is, is that we can't raise world changers in that space. Like, I don't want my boys to be skittish every time something hard or unknown is in front of them. I don't want them to run away from a person in need because they have a really dark and hard past. Like, I don't want them to have to close their eyes and cover their ears as they grow up, like figuratively speaking, when someone brings up something hard like sex trafficking or overdoses or foster care and abuse. Like, I don't want them to be so far removed from all the evil that their mind, like, literally cannot even comprehend that this kind of stuff is real and it happens. You know, I don't want my boys to meet someone that has come from a really hard place and not be able to relate on any level because they've never even had to tie their own freaking shoelace because mom's already seen it and I've tied it because God forbid you trip and fall, right? Like, I don't want my kids to be in a bubble so daggone thick that they are so fragile that they are unable to help anyone at all. Now, does this mean I go out and I intentionally look for ways for my kids, for my babies, my seven-year-old, my five-year-old, my four, my two-year-old to experience like not so great parts of this world? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Y'all, I just spent 30 minutes the other day holding my seven-year-old who was curled up in my lap crying because I had just told him that our foster daughter, who we didn't get really even a chance to say goodbye to, was not coming back home. It was decided that she would stay with the family who had her for a respite visit indefinitely. And this was good news because this family is planning to adopt her. (laughs) So, but still, even still, like it doesn't, make the emotions of loving her for almost five months now go away. Like we were supposed to go pick her up this past Friday afternoon to come back home. And I had found out Thursday evening that that was not going to happen. And on Thursday, I had my own good cry, (laughs) my own good like heartbreak. And then the next day, My boys had asked about five or six times, hey, when are we going to go get baby Jay? Hey, is it time to go get Jay yet? Hey, when is Jay coming home? And I knew, I knew that I was going to have to sit down and tell them like it wasn't going to happen, guys. And my mama heart knew that I was about to break their heart. And you guys, that is so hard. You know, like that's so hard. I know how much they loved her. I know that they expected her to be back that day. And honestly, so did I. We expected a couple more months together. So I just kind of gathered them all in a room and explained the best that I could the reality of what was happening. Like I did not tell them, oh, baby Jay is going to go home now. And let me sidestep really quickly and let you know how we explain foster care to our children. We basically say that when a child or children have a mom and a dad, who are not making good or safe choices, then those kids need a safe space to go. And then as a foster home, we are that safe place where they get to come and stay and play while their mommy and daddy are learning to make better and safer decisions and choices. And then when their mom and dad start making those decisions, then these kids that we love so much are going to go back home to them forever. 
And then I continue to say, but guys, like if the mommy and, de- and the dad decide to not make good or safe decisions, then it is possible that we could become their forever family because we always want kids to be safe. And sometimes, like sadly, that's not always the case with their real mom and dad. But we are going to love on them for as long as they are in their home. So this is the frame of reference our kids have on this foster care journey. We have had four kids, um, you know, come in our home that have gone back to their biological parents after they have come to us. So the conversation had always looked like, okay, like their mom and dad started making really good decisions and they get to go home forever. And this is still hard for the kids to process, but it's still all in this like celebration, you know, attitude because they're excited for them to go home. The conversation about Jay was a little different, right? It was different because she wasn't going home. And this broke my Wesley Reed's heart. He's five and a half. And this is what hurt his little heart the most. He just kept saying, I can't believe she will never go back to her real mommy and daddy ever again. And listen, my kids say real mommy and daddy. If you're in the foster care adoptive world, obviously that's kind of a nails on a chalkboard thing to say, but he's five. That's, you know, we'll, we'll get to technical terms um, at a later date. So, you know, he was like brokenhearted that she would never go back to her real mommy and daddy ever again. And his little mind like can't even comprehend this because it's not his personal perspective. But through his sweet little tears, I can just watch him and I can see, I can physically see his mind open. I can see his heart kind of um, open, I guess is also a good word. And accept like, oh, okay, like life is happening differently for some people. And then my Noah, oh gosh. Uh, He is brokenhearted because he doesn't understand why we could not be her forever family. And he's a little older. So the finality of baby Jay being gone, I think, hit him just a little harder. Plus, realizing she wasn't going home was hard. And I actually showed them a picture of the family who was going to keep her um, and just kind of explained how, like, this is really sad for us, you know, and rightfully so. But it's also so, so good. Like, it's so good for baby Jay. And she is so much better because of how my boys, you know, loved her. And if the actually the picture of this episode, if you um, saw the graphic on social media or whatever, is a picture of my oldest, of Noah. And this was taken, I don't know, a minute or so after I told him that baby Jay was not coming home. And he just laid there with his like his hands over his, his head and just tears kind of rolled down his cheek. Um, and it was hard. It was really hard. And I re-explained our purpose of being this safe holding spot for kids. You know, I used the hard or I'm sorry, I used the words like, this is so hard, Noah, but it's also so good. And then I actually showed on my Facebook community, you guys saw pretty much right after we heard the news, me get on and kind of explain what was going on. Um, I was really emotional in that video. And so I just let, I just let Noah see that video of me, right? Like he, I could tell he wanted to just 
ball his eyes out like right when I heard I could tell he was holding back and so I wanted to show him like it's okay to cry and feel this just deep deep sadness but happiness at the same time like this is God's work and it is such a good thing but it is also hard like there is tension there in that space and he just laid on the floor like I said with his little hand over his face and tears just stream down his little cheeks. And I wish, I wish you guys that I could articulate my feeling of watching him in this moment. I wish I could articulate the feeling of watching him be totally immersed in all of this sadness and immersed in all of this confusion, immersed in this just mess, right, of what foster care is. And if I had to choose one word that described how I felt in this moment watching my baby just deal with this, it would be peace. And you guys, I mean, I had tears running down my own cheeks watching him hurt for so many reasons. But as I sat there, just letting him have the space to feel what he felt, I just felt this peace like well up within me. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This was only the type of peace, you guys, that could come from God. Only God could pull that emotion to the top, that peace to the top or to the forefront and just silence all the other feeling while my heart and my baby's hearts were hurting. And as I sat there with Noah, I just felt peace and I feel like I really could just feel God's presence in that room with us. Like I felt that tension. I felt the heartbreak, but also the good God was working to just redeem baby Jay's story. I felt the intense grief for my sons, but heard them also, you guys, ask in the very same breath, with the very same tears running down their cheek, when we would get the next kid to love on when the next foster baby would call, come, you know, like when we would get the call again. My goodness, their hearts are so, so big and so open. And you guys, they're just exposed to this raw, real world. And I'm not, I'm just not um, holding back from them feeling this, right? Like I'm just not up for pretending like what we are Stepping in in foster care is not hard. I'm not sheltering them from what's happening in these families. Now, are we being appropriate? Of course. You know, we're not going into specifics if there was ever abuse. We're not going into specifics if there was any kind of like really graphic trauma. Um, No. (laughs) But they still can feel the weight of what it means for a family to be broken. And for a kid not to go back to their real mom and dad one day. Do you know what I mean? Like they can still feel the weight of that. In Psalm 34, 17 through 20 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So here's what I said to my boys once the emotions started calming some. (laughs) I just said, listen, you guys, foster care is really hard, huh? 
We love these little ones that come into our home and most of the time they're only meant to be with us for a little while, which means most of the time we will have to love them and then say goodbye and then love them and say goodbye and love them and say goodbye, just like we did with the other, with the five kids now that have been here. And I explain the reasons why we step into this place again and again and just I think it continually points them to Jesus and his character, right? Like this is why we are stepping in. And then I said, even though it's hard, you guys, would you guys like to take a break? Or would you guys like to have another kid come, you know, here to live with us? And y'all, it was a unanimous vote in the midst of the hardest part of this journey in my mind, like the goodbye They were ready for more. Like they want to jump right back in. They felt the cost, but recognized the need. Like this is the place I want my boys to live. I want them to dive headfirst into hard situations and then maybe come up for a breather, you know, and recognize like, wow, that was really hard. But then also realize like, I need to be back in there. And dive right back in, just like throwing caution to the wind. Why? Because there is an upper story that is bigger than our physical world and our physical bodies. And I genuinely think, you guys, like we can go through life and God can use us no matter what. But I think he's searching, like ferociously searching for those who are willing to do the hard jobs, the tough jobs, the day in and the day out, messy jobs. And listen, hear me. It does not have to be foster care. Like there is addiction, there is trafficking, there's homelessness, there's the fatherless, there's poverty, there's sickness, there's murder. You know, there's your own home. There's your own family. It's your own family tree, right? Shoot, some of you are first generation, I don't know, fill in the blank, like first generation of your family to have a successful marriage, first generation to not be in some kind of financial devastation, first generation in your family to work on your mindset or your health, your whatever you want to call it, right? Like, and that's enough. It's, it's all like, that is, that is enough. I'm not saying you need to like quit your job and move to Africa. This isn't a challenge about what ministry is better. This is more of like a gut check of whether or not you are putting your kids in a situation to bear their own cross and appropriately so, right? Or are you not? Are you carrying it for them? Like God has entrusted you with the children in your home. And if you are a believer, then you know that your children are God's anyways. Like they're not even your own. They're not mine and they're not yours. We are just entrusted with them. But they are ultimately God's. So what a disservice, you guys. And and listen, the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I've also been there. Like as a new mom, as a mom of little ones, like I want to shelter them from everything. Until I've realized like, oh man, that's not what I want to do. (laughs) It's not what I want to do. It's not how I want to raise my kids. And so I pivoted, right? Like at any point in time, we can pivot. And your pivot might look different than my pivot. But like, 
what a disservice we are doing to them when we shield them from the brokenness in the world that God needs them to be a part of fixing. Like God needs to, for them to, for my boys, for your kids, for anyone, right? To have a heart for those needs. And in order for someone to have a heart for those kinds of needs, like God needs them to be aware (laughs) of what's going on. Like God needs them to be able to call out injustice, right? To call it like they see it, to call out brokenness. And then here's the kicker, like step into that mess. Not to be just scared of that mess because it's dangerous or it's hard or it's risky, But in order to be able to do this, they have to have eyes to see it and the confidence and the grit to not only identify it, but to willingly, willingly step into it. And what better way to have confident, God-fearing adults who know God's story is worth the risk than to teach them those ways when they're a child. Like, you guys, let me be very honest with you. I don't want to do foster care. Like I've told this to so many people, you know, there's a quote that I love and it says this, people always ask me why I pursued orphan care. And I always respond, I didn't pursue orphan care. I just pursued Jesus and he led me here. Like ideally guys, everyone would raise their own biological children. Like I don't want to raise other people's children. I have four. I don't want to step into that place. Like it would be so much easier to just continue with, you know, business as usual with my own four. I mean, come on. But God did not call us to an easy, predictable life, you guys. Like this is hard. It's so hard. So no, I don't want to do this, but I am. And now hear me, I am gladly stepping into this with our family. Like we are glad to do it. And our two-year recertification of foster care is actually coming up next month. And I mean, I seriously contemplated whether or not I wanted to even recertify. Like I told Justin, I think I just want to be done. (laughs) I talked to my friends and other foster families and I was like, I just, I don't know. Like, this is so hard. I just want to stop. (laughs) Like, listen, I'm just being honest with you. Like, I have four kids. We have four rental properties. I have a small business I'm launching. We had, you know, a foster daughter kind of in this time. Like, we have training to keep up with to stay licensed. Like, we have our own family to see, our own friends to invest in. I mean, we have a very full life. And foster care is just a lot (laughs) on top of everything. But we decided to recertify because you know what I'm almost more scared of? I'm scared of losing this sense of being in the trenches, like working with God. Like there is no dependence on God, and you know this, than when times are hard. <laughs> and in foster care, the times are often hard. But you can't unknow and you can't unsee what is happening in the world For me specifically, as it relates to foster care, for you, it might be homelessness. For you, it might be trafficking. For you, it might be, you know, addiction. Like once you like, I don't know, raise the, I don't, whatever, like I'm trying, whatever word I'm trying to find, raise the glass, raise the curtain 
to this world that is literally happening that we would like to pretend isn't actually happening. Once you see it, you can't like you can't unknow it. You can't unsee it. So for us to not recertify and hear me, there might be a time when it is time for us to step away. But that time is not now. Okay? So I understand there's a time for rest, there is a time to run, okay? So I I appreciate that um, balance, but right now, let me tell you the genuine reason I didn't want to recertify, because I knew I am pretty much not going to be able to say no. We were thinking like, well, let's just take a year off. We'll get recertified, close our home for a year, you know, and then kind of take a break and start over. But you guys, zero chance. Zero chance the Sims family makes it a year. Zero chance. Because I know the need that is there and there is no way <laughs> we get a call that is within our like characterizations of what we want in foster care or what we will take and we say no. Why? You guys, like when we had the three foster babies, it was Oh, it was the hardest time in my entire life, like the most selfless time in my entire life. And I was sure we would take a year off after having them to just regain some sense of normalcy. But it wasn't even two months after they left that we said yes to our J-girl. Why? Because we realized that our life is full, but our family is blessed. Oh my goodness, we are so fortunate. Like Justin and I have a great marriage. It's not perfect, but it's strong. You know, our finances are in a great place now, thankfully. You know, I have the privilege and the choice of staying home now because of the hard decisions we made a couple years back. Like, our boys are healthy. We have no special needs. Like, we are blessed, you guys. And I am not going to just sit around and, like, wait for the other shoe to drop because everything is great in our life right now. What I am going to do is thank God every single day for the position that we are in. And then I'm not going to wallow in that. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, "Woo, life is so great right now. Like, let's just like be together and it's just all wonderful. And let's just like stay on this high and not let anything negative in. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to use our family while we are strong, right? Like a kid needs a home. Great. We have one of those. A kid needs a family. Great. We are one of those. This person needs a beautiful home that doesn't cost a freaking arm and a leg. Great. We own four of those. This family needs help financially. Great. Here's a chunk of change because it's God's anyways. Like open hands. We have positioned ourselves by striving to live, you know, the way that God wants us to live financially and whatever else to a point where I personally feel like walking away from foster care because, you know, I don't want to stay in this mess <laughs> <laughs> is almost a slap in the face to the one who created me and our family. Like if you are struggling right now as a single parent, okay, just trying to make ends meet and just to feed your family and you are just in the thick of it, you may not be able or you may not be in the headspace and not have the capacity to foster right now. Or to fight sex trafficking because you are literally trying to survive. But hear me, those of you who are not living day to day just trying to survive, what can you do to move God's kingdom forward 
What can you do to take that baton from someone that is out of gas or someone that may not be able to run right now and continue God's mission? Like the time when my family is healthy, we are financially and emotionally stable. Y'all, that is the time for the Sims family to run, not rest. It is time to run. And again, there is a time for rest. There is a time to run. Like that is biblical, this whole work rest cycle, right? And in Hebrews 12, it says, let us run the race that was set before us with endurance. Like, again, we all have a time where we can run. We all have a time when we are just trying to survive and we all have a time when we need to rest, So if you are where you are right now on purpose, whether that be running, surviving, or resting, great. Good for you. But if you are resting in a season, your family should be running. Girl, I challenge you to start picking up speed because there will come a day when our race, when we are our strongest, right? Our most stable self, when when our race is over. Or when you just cannot continue because you are so tired. And I pray there is someone who is starting to pick up speed to continue the race as you have to fade out. Right? Like let us not be women who valued an easy life over a messy and a poured out for Christ's life. Let us not carry our kids' crosses and shield them from the good works that they can do in this world. Let us instead show them what it looks like to love and to fear God in this world and appropriately let them carry their own cross all while teaching them that we are in the palm of God's hands anyways, right? So in this family and in your family, as a family in Christ, y'all, we go all in. We run when we are healthy and we are strong and while others are resting. And we rest, right? We we gain that discernment to know when to rest and let someone else run. So I just, I pray that we are raising up a generation of strong men and women that will do a great thing, that will do many great things for a great God. And may we lead by example. Join me in the next episode as we transition into health week. And follow me on Instagram, you guys, at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood for daily encouragement, depending on what week we are on. And I am so excited to walk with you and to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.